When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Drop Step podcast. We're back at it again on opening night of the 23-24 NBA season. So after you're finished watching the Lakers, after you're finished watching the Suns, the Warriors and the Nuggets, I'm sure you're going to be tuning into this. It's an exciting episode. I've got Ben Pfeiffer with me today. Hopefully I pronounced his name right. I didn't check that off air. Good. But in light of all the extensions that got completed this week, what we're going to be looking at today is the best value contracts of next year. So this is when all of those extensions kick in. Me and Ben are bringing our top fives in terms of what we think provides the best value. Who got steel team-wise uh, from an extension perspective? And I think it's going to be fun just to see the sort of players that shake out from there. So without further ado, Ben, how are you doing today, man? I have a tendency to ramble on with these things. <laughs> I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm excited for the season. It's going to be a fun season. Um, I'm very excited for for basketball. Um, I'm glad the preseason is, is over because I can only handle so much preseason. But yeah, I'm excited okay. to just talk some, talk some undervalued players. I was really hyped for the preseason and I still feel like I was checking in up until a couple of days ago, which I think must be a record. I think with the full length off season, considering that we're just still recovering from those COVID times, that was just something exciting about it for me. But you're right. We are properly getting into it this week. So I'm really looking forward to that. But let's get all the way into the podcast. Ben, you are our guest. I'm very grateful for you uh, to be coming on. So Kick us off, man. Who is your number five best value contract for the 24-25 NBA season? I mean, I don't I didn't really order it, but we mentioned this. Um, we mentioned this right before, but I, I feel like it's probably makes sense to start talking about Onyeka. Um, Onyeka, Kongwu, and or Jaden McDaniels, who both got both got extensions from the class mm-hmm. of 20. 2020 draft class guys getting their final extensions before some of them will be hitting restricted free agency and Onyeka at like what was it, it was like four for 60 something four um, for 62 for Onyeka and if we're going to do Jaden as well because it was actually going to be a hot take of mine I wanted to say that even at 136 million dollars for five years I still think that Jaden is one of the best value contracts in oh, the league so oh, I think so I think so yeah Go for it. Hit me with your Onyeka opinions, because I know that you did a video on the Hawks in the preseason. You were pretty excited of what they were running, right? Yeah, I was. Um, I mean, not to get super worked up over preseason or anything, but um, (laughs) Onyeka, the Hawks offense looked really good in the preseason. Um, Quinn Snyder, hopefully, in his first full year in Atlanta, taking them in a new direction. I think people Mm -hmm. have been clamoring for this Trey Young offense to have some more modern changes with off-ball movement and stuff for basically his whole career. And 
I think this is probably the best offensive context that Trey is going to have ever had during um, mm-hmm. during his career. Like maybe like the early like 2020, like his first playoff teams where, he had, where, where Kevin Herter was was really great as well. But I think he had Gallo I mean, at the power forward as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they had some good moments with that. But I think though he's a good player, I think getting rid of Collins is going to be big for Onyeka, um, mm-hmm. as well as Jalen Johnson, who could probably also be on this list. Um, Onyeka is fantastic um, defensively, for first and foremost. Um, and I think even at the four, like there's obviously Clint Capella trade rumors. I don't really have any insight on whether that whether or not that happens. But I think regardless, this is a great value contract. And probably fair to say that within the range of that Onyeka contract, Capella will probably not be on the team for all of it. So regardless. Um, but yeah, Onyeka is just a fantastic on and off ball defender. Like the size is, is always going to be kind of a limiting factor for playing the five, but mm-hmm. he looks so explosive as an athlete. He's a great mover. He can guard like fours and wings and cover ground like like six five players with his mobility. Um and then again <laughs> offensively I'm very excited to see how playing more with Trey and opening up more stuff as maybe a playmaker or um, or like a, a handler, which was like stuff he showed a little bit at USC and in high school, yeah. um, going all the way back to Chino Hills. And I think like his high-low game with Jalen Johnson is going to be really fun. Those two, mm-hmm. um, obviously Jalen's a much better passer. Like those two passing and cutting and moving off of each other, especially with Trey around, is, is going to be great. Um, but yeah, I think I just think Onyeka is a fantastic two-way center. Um, I think he's only like 22 or something. Um mm. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here. Yeah, I was yeah, amazed. Like he's gonna be yeah. he's gonna be great. I was amazed that he signed a deal at this lower number. I was looking on Yeka Okongwu. I thought he showed real flashes. I mean he showed real flashes throughout the duration of his rookie contract, right? But towards the end of last year, I really got the sense that Quinn was probably gonna roll with him as the starting five this year. I think they've got a really nice dynamic where, especially if we see DeAndre Hunter rediscover some form. You've got six foot eight guy at the three. You've got six foot nine guy at the four in Jalen Johnson. And then you've got another six foot nine guy at the five. You're sort of just spreading about your size a little bit. Our Warriors 2015 onwards, basically, until they get KD. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to watch Okongwu this year. I think it's the natural next progression for this Hawks team because we speak about Jalen Johnson. He's a guy that I want to see get a lot of touches mm-hmm. this year, sort of performing in a similar, maybe like an Aaron Gordon role. He's, he's obviously not got Nikola Jokic to work with, but in terms of these big fours that can punish you inside if they establish position, but also can show a bit of that passing flair, I think he's going to be really fun. And the other thing about Okongwu is, He's a fantastic spacer or it's fantastic is maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but last year I think he shot 46% from the mid range. We've seen flashes in training camp that he's going to be spacing from three. I'm confident that either if he's sort of a trailer from three or he's spaced out to the corner and you're letting a guy like Jalen roll to the hoop on is going to be dependable and hopefully he gets respected. Uh, the player that he actually reminds me of talking through this, I see a little bit of Al Horford in Onyeka Okongwu. Does, uh, does, it, does, that, uh, does that track for you, Ben? 
Yeah, I mean, it's the easy kind of comparison to make just because of the Hawks undersized yes. center thing. It's probably hard to – I think Al was just also another example of, like, a guy who is, like, super outlier development in terms of his shooting um, mm-hmm. where he just, like – I mean, he was probably the same level of shooter like as Onyeka at the same stage of his career but became, like, a really great shooter, of course. And Onyeka was always a fantastic mid-range shooter. Um, yeah, yeah, EPM has him at – 48% from mid-range last year, which is excellent, If the, yeah. even if on low volume. Um, I probably wouldn't expect him to shoot this year, but I think you don't – I don't think you necessarily need him to shoot considering how mm-hmm. great he is scoring at the rim, how amazing his touch is. He's, despite his size, he's always been a fantastic finisher. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I definitely think he can approximate, like, the modern small center role. Um, I think Al was always, like – especially with the age, like, such a great, like, check to these, like, bigger forwards where I think Onyeka is going to be at his best as, like, an off-ball rim protector. But I think mm. it's, like, you can have that idea where Onyeka is going to be the guy who is, like, your long-term kind of anchor vibe because of how strong he is. Um, I mean, I, I think the Hawks I – I saw someone tweet, like, the Hawks listing him at, like, 6'10 now, which I don't know if it's act- – I don't know if it's actually true that he grew or if it mm-hmm. even matters, but – I think this is, like, the fact – just, like, comparing his deal to, like, some other – like, the fact that he got less money than Isaiah Stewart, that he got, like, yeah. the same money as, like, Denny Avdia is, is crazy to me. Like, that he, I think he's so much better than those guys. And Yeah, the Beef Stew contracts is the one that really jumps out as, like, I think he got $2 million more, but that is just – insane in terms of you look yeah. at the versatility yeah. and they're actually spoken about as a similar kind of player i yeah i, I know who i'd rather have a hundred times out of a hundred oh, yeah. and we've oh, had I mean, I jack think... kelly on the pod before uh, a massive beef stew fan and i think even he would be at pains to agree that uh double o whatever we're going to call him on Konwu has a brighter future coming on especially oh, yeah. on oh, this yeah. steal of a deal but uh, closing thoughts on Go go for it, man. Closing thoughts. Just saying, yeah, the, the Pistons, I feel like the the beef stew contract is a lot better like in a vacuum than it is on the for the Pistons, who have so many non-shooting bigs, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Onyeka, he's great. I would expect him to what? I think I mean I think I would vision like vision him this season as one of the hundred or so best players in the NBA. And he's obviously going to be underpaid for that distinction regardless. And he's, he's going to get better. I would, I don't think he probably will ever like make an all-star team because of like the, the counting stats just won't be there, but I think Mm. he can approach that level of like impact being one of the 40, maybe like 35 most impactful players in the league as he enters his prime. Um, So this, 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 this is a crazy good deal. Like it's, it's fantastic work by, by, yes, by Atlanta, uh, of course. I'm going to move us on to an extension that came a little bit earlier in the summer. It perplexed some people at times. This is a guy that has grown from a limited role in Minnesota. It's another six nine, sort of four and a half, let's call them. I really like the Nasri deal going into 24, 25, and 25, 26. He's down for $14 million per year next year. And uh, I I, I don't know if this is just a visual bias, but I love watching Naz play. Uh, definitely not quite as defensively impactful as a guy like Anyeka, but 
just i don't know if it's in the hips i don't know where it is but he's got real wiggle off the dribble i trust him as a spacer and i trust him as one of those few bigs that you can play in two big lineups and it just works he's just a real sort of mismatch in a non-traditional sense of the word for if you're on a back-to-back and you're suddenly guarding Nas Reed, there aren't many players like Nas Reed in the league. So he's going to cause you problems. And he's a guy that I can't wait to watch hoop this year, even if it's a really, really congested front line for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So Nas Reed is going to be, I, I say my number five, but he's going to be the first guy that I mention in terms of an undervalued contract and a guy that I'm really excited to watch hoop over the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I, I fully agree with that. Nas Reed is great. I think he's easily the best backup big in the league. I mean, that's largely just because of circumstance. Like he, he would start for a lot of NBA teams, but yeah, he's such a dangerous offensive player. Mm. He is like very efficient on great offensive usage in, I mean, not like in crazy minutes, but um, can score basically everywhere is a really impressive handler, which is just a rare skill for a big to have. Um, can yep. space, can pass, has improved as a decision maker over his years. And yeah, the, the, the defense is incredible. But especially on a team like the Wolves, who have Rudy Gobert and have Jaden McDaniels and have Kyle Anderson, um, and Mike Conley's a solid defender still. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily need him to be an incredible defender because they have so many guys who do that. But Aside from Cat, honestly, which is like, who, you know, he's always, the, the Cat thing is interesting. But there's, it's like not many guys who can approximate his skill set. I think they, they missed him a lot last year. He was, I don't, I don't think he played in the playoffs last year, right? Um, I think that's right. Yeah, I think yeah, he was out. I think they really missed his creation from that big spot, especially because it seems like Cat just is unfortunately one of these players who does not work well in the playoffs, at least so far. Um but yeah, I think that's a ridiculous steal um, mm. for a guy who should be starting somewhere um, or easily could be if, if if you wanted to. So Yeah, he's kind of like your second and a half big. Uh, I think that a lot of the times people fall into either you're, they're your starting power forward, they're your starting center, or they're your third guy. I want to see more of Naz in the next couple of years, but it's just that situation in Minnesota. A lot of people online, like Kevin O'Connor, have speculated that Cat is out of there this year, in which case we might see even more minutes open up for Nas Reed at the four, which I think could be really exciting. Uh, he's a nice little role threat as well, because usually when you see these guys that are sort of like, they're sort of like shifty guards packed into a 6'9 hefty body, they're, they're more of a popper. But I actually like him when he gets to the rim. I think he's a decent offensive rebounder as well. And just like we said, he moves in such a funny way. Um, and it's it's quite visually pleasing to watch. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching more Nas Reed next year. And my oh, he's definitely one of the most fun bigs in the league to watch. Easy. And my and my next mention, uh, I'm going to go straight in with my second player. I think we we said right at the top of the podcast. I love the Jaden McDaniel's deal. I don't quite know why he signed it again. I think we're going to say that for a lot of these deals. But I thought he was easily a 30 million dollar a year guy and I think I would have just held out until free agency because 6'10 lengthy probably the best guy over a certain height at just navigating through screens in the NBA just so shifty he can go under arms he um he looks like he's in a playground sometimes just dodging through little picks here little picks there 
Um, I love Jaden McDaniels, and that's just on the defensive side of the ball. I think he's truly one of the most versatile players in the league. But I've got him here because over the next few years, I don't see why some sort of offensive breakout isn't going to come for Jaden. Yeah, and even if it doesn't, like, I think the con- the contract, regardless, is such good value. I mean, we're, we're definitely in agreement on, on his defense. He, he didn't make an all-defense team last year, but I think he was probably closer to, like, high all-defense first team than he was to not being an all-defensive player last year. All-defense voting is always, you know, questionable. But, yeah, um, he is ridiculously good on defense, as we talked about. The there are not very many players who are as versatile as as he is, um, as an on ball defender, off ball defender, as you said, getting through screens. Um, and in terms of like AAV, like he's what is he's making like 25 mil a year or something? Yeah, pretty much. Um, like he's making making less than like RJ Barrett, Andrew Wiggins, DeJounte Murray, Chris Paul, Gordon Hayward, Tyler Hero, um, like plenty of useful players like Jeremy Grant, Aiton. Um, Ben Simmons, like Tobias, <laughs> Clay Thompson, oh, like I'm, Tobias. I'm taking, I'm taking, obvi- I'm obviously taking Jaden over all of these guys in terms of just in a vacuum, but especially contract wise, um, the fact that he's going to be on that kind of money for the next five years is ridiculous. Um, mm. And I think we, if, if like we take a look at similar defensively oriented like wings at this point in their career. Um, like OG Ananobi, Mikhail Bridges, etc. I think his offense is probably comparable to those guys at at the same Mm -hmm. stage of their career. Obviously, those players have made progress as as they've gotten older, and I would expect Jaden to continue to progress offensively. Um, Again, I I don't know how much like how much he's going to be whether, but like adding some more to the pull up shooting off the bounce game. He's already a great off-ball player um he's can space cut makes good decisions um and he doesn't need the ball at all to make an impact and i think that's really cool especially considering his history like Jaden mcdaniels in high school was like a top five i think he was the number one recruit at one point he got durant comparisons he was like a link um it's like it's like the cam reddish thing basically um, and then he was not great his freshman year at Washington, and then he like re, re revamped his game into like defensive oriented, which is something I always respect and enjoy. Um, guys who do that um, and just like make themselves work at the next level, and I think Jaden is a perfect example of that. And yeah, I mean it's re- the like you said. I mean, I, I mean I get why he signed it because like regardless, that's life changing money, um, ton of money, but it is a undoubtedly ridiculously good contract for the wolves and off and like not that they want to do this but it is going to be extremely tradable if that ever has to happen or if there Mm -hmm. ever becomes something like unmissable available like that's going to be one of the most tradable contracts in the league because it's like it's it's a lot and it's going to be useful to match salaries with other potential stars but it's also like going to be relatively really cheap especially as the cap continues to probably increase I, I don't think there are many teams in the league that wouldn't want Jaden McDaniels starting for them, especially at this kind of number. And you look at sort of the pick capital that's been mentioned with OG Ananobi, that's been mentioned with Mikel Bridges, both supposedly having three to four first round picks offered for them in and around last year's trade deadline. I see no reason why that couldn't be the case for Jaden in the next couple of years. To me, 
if we're looking really far down the line, he's a guy that I think would fit really, really well in OKC, sort of next to Chet, that similar height, weak side rim protection, and another guy that can shoot off the catch, screen, and cut. I think he'd he'd really fit in well there. But just in terms of uh, his his numbers from the last couple of years, so in 22-23, this is a guy that shot 59% from two-point uh, two range, 40% from three-point range, and it's all just about getting that volume up. Now, I think he's proven that he's got the raw mechanics to be a shooter. I've really liked the development of his handle in the last couple of years. I think it's really come on, and he's sort of got back to those high school days where we really saw the flashes of shot creation. Um, he's a player, I, I know that we've mentioned comparisons already, but if you told me anyone was going to follow sort of the Paul George career trajectory in the league at this point, it's probably between him and Trey Murphy, just in terms of being insane, lengthy athletes that have the handle, that seem to have the shot as well. I wouldn't be surprised if we see another step from Jaden in the next couple of years. And like we said, just an absolute steal. Yeah, I would expect yeah, Jaden to take another leap or so, even like regardless of how big it is. I, he, I mean, again, he, I think he's 22 or 23 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, still very much not in his prime yet. Um, and to get him for this kind of contract is ridiculously good. Yeah. Who have you got as your next player, Ben? Um, so I'm going to go, I was thinking like who are going to have the, the cheap contract and, and obviously we're not doing any rookies from this year. Um, yeah, so. it's, it's, it's too easy to say Wemby, right? If we say right. Wemby now, it's a little bit ridiculous. So I feel like we've right. got to get away from even like the Corey right. Kispers of the world who I thought about a little bit for this. Right. Like I think, I think another easy one for that would be Moses Moody. Um, right. who I think is, is that same draft class, but he's going to be, I think he's going to be eligible for extension next year and then restricted free agency in 2025. So I don't know if we'll get that extension, but is, mm. I think regardless of the kind of money he makes is probably going to be one of the more undervalued players in the league. I mean, I think he's very undervalued right now. Um, right. You he think he should have bigger roles for the Warriors? Oh, absolutely. I think I think last year he definitely proved his worth, um, especially on the defensive end, emerging as one of their more valuable wing defenders, mm. which of course, you know, so so important, so valuable in the modern NBA. He's a spacer, he's a great finisher, he's really efficient. He doesn't need the ball again, just like you know, he's not nearly as good as Jaden, but doesn't need mm. the ball to score. And similar, I, I think there's some untapped on-ball scoring potential given what he was able to do in high school and in college with his handle and his pull-up shooting so I think Moody um I guess like maybe you could argue for Kuminga but I would guess Kuminga is more likely to be overvalued than undervalued and I think Moody is more likely to be undervalued than overvalued um obviously hard to know with these with these deals for like the future um these future deals but I think Moody is going to be like a very undervalued good deal um at some point soon yeah this is a guy that plays 13 minutes per game last year so it's one of those where you can see the potential you can see the fit as well but Steve Kerr loved playing Anthony Lamb or I think it was Anthony Lamb last year who is now not even in the league 
a little bit perplexing. And then he sort of came in towards the end of the season. One of these guys that hasn't had the chance to prove themselves, but on that second contract can really, really prove to be valuable. He's a really aggressive scorer when he gets his chances as well, right? Like, uh, I think sometimes you see players try and fit into that Warriors system. And Jonathan Kaminga has been a little bit scared of this as well, where they're so the system is so ingrained, it's so coached, and you know as a rookie or a young player, if you're not fitting in and you're seeing the bench, that they can be a little bit hesitant. But I look at Moses Moody and I see when he sees open space in the closeout, he is attacking it. When he sees that he can let rip from three, he's doing it. And I think that that's going to really pay off over the next few years for Golden State. Yeah, and I think you saw, especially in the postseason, him continue to gain Steve Kerr's trust. He played in every single postseason game, I believe, except for maybe the first one. Um, Mm -hmm. In the Lakers series, he played 20 minutes or more in three of those six games. Um, I think those minutes are important for a young player like him. Just that playoff experience, regardless of what the game flow is looking like. And it's nice that, of course, nice to see that Steve Kerr really trusted him um, to actually play in the playoffs and to make a positive impact. Um, He played, I think, double the minutes that Kuminga played in the last playoffs, which probably is is, would be surprising for people to hear. Um, Some people at least. But yeah, I, I mean, I think all signs point towards this being the year that Moody finds a, like a staple place in the Warriors rotation, mm-hmm. 18, 19, 20 minutes a game, really efficient, great defense. And then I think, especially because he's on the Warriors, people are going to be like, oh, wait, this is, a, they have another like really good, like young three and D wing, like, and then he's again, not making the money that he should be making based on how I think he's going to play this next year. Yeah, yeah, we'll absolutely see. It'll be really interesting when it comes time to extend Moses Moody because obviously they're up against the cap as well. Makes sense for them to overpay slightly, but but like we said, just hasn't had the role so far to really showcase those skills. Yeah, I want to get They could probably leverage that yes. into like not giving him as much as he deserves too. Yes, absolutely. Sort of a shorter term contract and we'll get you on the next one, buddy. You know, we'll, we'll see what we're doing when Draymond's retired, when Clay is, you know, winding down and then we'll pay you back. We'll, we'll see if that sort of comes to fruition. I, I want to get away from the young guys slightly because I think it'd be very easy to do this podcast and just speak about extensions that we saw at the deadline yesterday or deals of that nature. Um, probably my favourite value deal in the league in terms of raw impact this is not a guy who has as aesthetically pleasing a game as Nas Reed, but Alex Caruso only has a part guaranteed deal for 24-25, which is insane. If the Chicago Bulls were so inclined, they could cut him for a $3 million cap hit. I, I don't know how that was ever negotiated in his contracts, but he's down for $9.9 million in the 24-25 season. And... Uh, I think it was, I think you were speaking about Onyeka Okongwu when you spoke about impact on a night-to-night basis. I, I don't know how the Bulls glued together the sixth best defence in the league last year. I think they were first post-trade deadline. I know that they're solid on the boards. I like Patrick Williams as an isolation defender, a guy that notably didn't get an extension at the deadline yesterday. But Alice Caruso is a miracle worker, right? I he, He's one of the most unique players in the league to me. Yeah, 
That's a great call. Um, I think someone someone else who I was thinking of who makes I think almost double Caruso is his Derek White, but I think falls in the same. Even making like double what Caruso makes is still I think undervalued De- for Derek White was had. on my list. Derek White was yeah. on my list. We spoke just before this podcast yeah. about I noticed that I had a little bit of a, a kink for defensive playmakers or defensively orientated guys I'm, I'm gonna put that in my bio now i don't know if it's going on my tinder or my hinge or something like that but um yeah that that's my that's my kink it's yeah uh, it's defensive yeah. playmakers oh you're a guard that has shot shot blocking presence at the rim i want to get to know you but um well it's because yeah. they're always undervalued mm-hmm. they Which always have amazed that I, I can't believe that at the professional level of the game, the advanced stat metrics are behind in such a way where Tyler Hero can get paid. I, I don't know what his deal was. I, I feel like he's sort of guaranteed for 120 million over four years. So that is significantly more than either of these guys. And I know that he's young, but over, on one side, we have your bucket getter archetype, your you know, lethal catch and shoot player. And on the other side, we have your defensive playmakers. But, if we want to talk about Derek White, I think this is a guy that's probably got a case for having one of the more rounded games in the NBA. Yeah, I think White is definitely a better offensive player than Caruso. Caruso might be a little bit better on defense, um, but they're close. And I think, it, I mean, it's easy to lump both of these guys in together. Um, just like super impactful defensive guards who are elite, not only guarding the ball, but protecting the rim, which is so valuable since that's something that most that usually the only bigs and forwards are, are good at and, and mm-hmm. add value, but it's great, especially when modern NBA teams play more five out, they play more offense that forces bigs to defend on the perimeter, pulls them away from the rim. Um, which is which having a guy like Derek White or Caruso allows your your defense to be okay with that and to survive those kind of offenses, um, as well. And yeah, I think Caruso's the best, probably the best non-big defender in the league. I don't know if that's a hot take. I don't think it really is. Um, I think he adds the most value, right? Like we said, he's just the most unique. He's the most dis- destructive at the point of attack. You often see clips when we speak about defensive players of them locking down a guy in isolation. But as the league moves away from that, he was playing minutes at the power forward last year. And just in terms of a terror that can really just impact the games of so many different star players in the league. And, you know, he's not the flashiest playmaker when he has the ball in his hands, but my God, does he create transition opportunities for the balls? Yeah, it can be hard to to value these players, even for teams that know it can be hard Mm -hmm. to value these guys, what they're actually worth, just because the the bucket getters are always going to get so much money. um, And obviously offense is, is really, really important. But yeah, I mean, at at the at the scale of giving Caruso like eight million a year, I mean yeah. that's uh, like at this point, like that's the same amount of money like Peyton Pritchard is making now. Like, it's 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 ridiculous that those two are in like the same contract bracket. Um, I don't know, like he's making less than like Aaron Neesmith got extended for, less than like mm-hmm. Cole Anthony got extended for. Um, and and I mean again, he, he's obviously older than those guys, which is which definitely does matter. But mm. yeah, I mean he's one of the ten most impactful defenders in the league, and I think White is is, is up there as well. Um, and again, for the Celtics, I think White getting paid what he pay, get paid makes more sense just because they have so many offensive stars to pay. Um, yeah. 
but I think in a, regardless, if we're just talking about players who are making less money than than they are good, you, Derek White is, is is one of the main guys for sure on that list. Absolutely. Derek White last season in the playoffs scored 13.4 points per game. He shot 45% from three on five and a half attempts per game. He racked up a block a game. He shot over 90% from the line. And we're just speaking about his defense. He is he is just a pleasure to watch. And I think some players you look at, uh, we spoke about Carl Anthony Towns, for example, as if you get them in the right system, if you find the right fit for them, they can really maximize their skills. You could put Derek White on a team in Mongolia, and I think he's going to be really impactful. You could put Derek White on the Lakers, on the Warriors, on the Celtics, back on the Spurs. I don't think there's a single team that wouldn't end up starting Derek White in the league now. And I know that sounds ridiculous when you look at maybe a team like Dallas that has a backcourt of Luca and Kyrie. But I, I just feel like he'd find a way to make Derek this. Be better. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm slightly worried for Dallas this year. I mean, I, I don't think oh. they'd be any shorter, really. I mean, Josh Green's going to be starting at the three. Grant is going to be starting at the four. Uh, it's... It's, it's going to be interesting in Dallas. But yeah, just a guy that if, if he were to come onto the open market today, I think you see a mini Drew Holiday-esque style bidding war amongst contending teams. Yeah, and I think White absolutely is, is, is one of those guys who is so important in the playoffs for his defensive versatility and for the, like, the off-ball scoring offense he brings. Notably like was just is was just so efficient in the playoffs last year. Obviously he's not going to shoot like 45% from 3 in, in in most playoffs and you shouldn't be expected to. But mm-hmm. point being like he is a great spacer. He is very effective as like a decision maker and a handler and it's easy it's also easy to forget that there was a time like not very long ago where Derek White was was like a primary scorer in the playoffs for the Spurs um, and was like going toe-to-toe with Jamal Murray in, in, in a playoff mm-hmm. series, which, again, just like a testament to his skill level. And obviously now that he's like on a great team with lots of better offensive players, he doesn't need to do that and probably shouldn't be doing that. But regardless, he's so talented and throughout his career has shown up in the postseason. Um, he, he's fantastic, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I think that puts a nice cap on our defensive guard undervalued contract section of the podcast. And I'm going to move us on to wings now. I don't know how many names that we're going to get through. I just think that we're probably going to be a version of old guys sit in the corner and name basketball players. But (laughs) I'm going to have a lot of fun doing that. So my next guy, I'm I'm moving up a level to uh, wing defenders, undervalued wing defenders. I love... Herb Jones's contract on the Pelicans. And he's he's another guy that considering the skill set that we're talking about, I can't believe that he signed for what he signed for. So it's $54 million over the next four years. That is $10 million less than a guy like Max Struess, who got picked up in free agency this year. I believe it was the max extension that he could have signed. But Herb Jones should be getting paid more money than this. I know there's questions over the shop, but if we're just talking about defensive playmaking, defensive versatility, being able to throw him on the other team's best guy, regardless of their size, 
there aren't too many other players in the league that I want over Herb. Yeah, Herb is is fantastic. Um, I wrote a profile on him early, earlier this summer, actually, and he mm-hmm. is just like, he's such a versatile defender, and the Pelicans have a very good defense, and I think he is the keystone of that defense. Um, yeah. It's a very like weird, unique, well-coached scheme that you know really tries to keep guys from attacking the basket with this incredible point of attack depth and playmaking, and Herb Jones is at the front of that. Obviously, like, he's a guy who will pick up Luka 94 feet, and then he'll be guarding the rim as a backline defender on, on the next possession. Like, similar to Jaden, I, I don't think he's probably as good of a defender as Jaden, or at least projects to be. Um, but someone who's ridiculously versatile, does everything well, has very few weaknesses on defense, um, aside from maybe just like being a little over-aggressive sometimes. But yeah, I think the offense is definitely an issue, and it's the reason he's not getting paid more um, I definitely agree that he should be pay- he should be paid more than he is, or he's absolutely yep. undervalued. Um, I, I do think the offense definitely got better last year, um, especially towards the end of the season. He is not a horrible shooter. Um, he's around like thirty four ish percent. Um, more than anything, he's well from the line as well. Yeah. Uh, I think more he shot over eighty percent free throw line. I, I just like and, him to shoot more, honestly. Yeah. Um, and it's going to come down to that in a playoff setting as well, right? I mean, if Zion yeah. is constantly drawing two, if Brandon is drawing attention, if you can't leave Trey Murphy open even from 30 feet from the court, I think that Herb um, Herb is going to be getting a lot of open shots in postseason settings. So it's going to be a real swing factor for both him and the Pelicans. He's definitely at an age where he'll hit the market again, and I'm sure he'll make up the value that he's sort of sacrificed on this end. But just uh, I, I think that what we're establishing here is and I, I might just record it now so I don't have to say it for the rest of the podcast you'd want him on any team in the league whether he's starting whether he's coming off the bench just a playoff ready player I think even if the shot doesn't hold up I would be willing to sacrifice that a little bit for the defensive versatility that he brings he's not the same profile as a guy like Andre Roberson because I think he offers a little bit more on the offensive end but just an absolute specialist in that area. Yeah, and his offense isn't horrible. Like I, I think no. he's like like he's really fast for a guy of his size. He's he's getting better as a driver, as a handler. He's a pretty decent passer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think he's still pretty young as well. Um, has so much room to grow as an offensive player, and is already so excellent on defense. So yeah, I I fully agree that his his contract is is super, super, super undervalued. I just want to say I'm glad that he's with the Pelicans as well because Fred Vincent is the miracle worker of all miracle workers when it comes to being a shot doctor. I don't know if it's a New Orleans voodoo thing, but he just seems to get guys in that have broken shots and suddenly they're marksmen from the outside. So really excited to see what Herb does over the next couple of years. Ben, who else have you got, man, to talk about? Um, We can stick with the wings. I mean, I'm not... I wasn't going to bring this up, but I think like Trey Murphy is another obvious one who is like going to get a great, great extension um, I, at some point. It, he's, he's I great. don't see him getting a cheap contract though. Just no. this guy shot 60% from two. This guy shot over 40% from three on volume. Um, I, I've said this on other podcasts, but anytime you get a guy that can compete in the three point contest and the dunk contest, you know that he's an exciting player. And if for some reason 
He is undervalued on the market. I, I don't know what more he can do unless he sort of sets himself on fire on the court and goes and does a cartwheel before a dunk or something like that. This guy should be popping off the page for all 30 teams in the league. And he is the epitome of the player that I want to pair with a young core because, like we said, you have to pick him up from 30 feet. He, he can launch from as soon as he crosses half court. If he's catching and shooting, it's, it's going up and it's got a really good chance of going in. Yeah, so speaking of wings, um, I think the Devin Vassell contract is really great for the Spurs. Mm-hmm. He's making about the same money as Jaden. Yeah, he's making like what amounts to about like a million more in AAV, which is pretty minimal. And again, it's lower than a lot of the other guys you mentioned before, like DeJounte Murray, Andrew Wiggins, Tyler Hero, Jordan Poole. But I think he is on a very clear star development track and we we definitely started to see that early last year before he got hurt, um, where he's blossoming into a guy who is going to be a 20, 20 plus point um, a game on good enough efficiency. He's a ridiculously good pull up shooter, great three point yep. shooter, can create off the bounce, has improved as a passer as well. Um, and of course, the, it's it's funny because I think the defense has probably been a little bit underwhelming relative to expectation coming out of college because that was his main sell. But there are still really valuable defensive skills, the off-ball defense, like the range, the steals, the ground coverage are all phenomenal. And I think especially as as like the Spurs get better and as his teammates get better, as there is a long history of young shot creators playing bad or no defense on uncompetitive teams. And then when their team gets competitive, they start trying and the defense improves markedly. And I think especially since the baseline was so high for Vassell, it's not like a Devin Booker situation where he was like, not a great defensive prospect. This is a guy who was an elite defensive prospect. And I think I see no reason that he like, again, with Wemby healthy and Keldon Johnson and Sohan and whoever else, the Spurs can acquire and all the, the pieces they have coming together. Hopefully they'll be more competitive this year. And in the next couple of years, certainly on the sales deal, they will be more, they'll be more competitive. And I think again, making like 27 million a year, um, mm-hmm. he's only 22 or 23 as well. When it comes down to it, he's, he's going to be a steal on that, on that contract by the time it's nearing its end. And I'm quite confident about that. Absolutely. He has played three seasons so far in the NBA. In his first, he shot 2.4 threes a game. In his second, he shot 5.4. And last year, pre-injury, he was shooting seven threes a game, which just goes to show the pull-up talent. He was knocking them down at a 39% clip. And I always love it when you see a young guy that is already confident working in the mid-range, particularly when they're not sacrificing shots from three as well. I just think on both ends of the floor, what really jumps out to me is Devin is a playoff archetype player in terms of he's not compromising your spacing. He's not a guy that the other team is necessarily going to go out on the defensive end. He's got some playmaking feel. He can scale his role up if the team needs a lot of shot creation and he can scale his role down as a really impactful catch and shoot guy, a guy that attacks closeouts and a guy that is really strong on the defensive end. So I think more than anything, this star trajectory that we've sort of referred to here, it's going to depend what other talent the Spurs gets in because a guy like Wemby is going to take up touches. But at the moment, Devin looks to be second in line 
And um, I'm really excited to see how he works with Zach Collins in sort of handoff situations this year. I love Zach Collins. I think he's due to have a really good year. If Onyeka didn't sign such a cheap extension, he was actually going to be my big man pick along with Naz in terms of an undervalued contract because oh, I think he exceeded sure. at around 17 and a half million. And just, I, I love watching him play. Really great passing feel, great shot from three. Um, and they actually had a fairly solid defensive rating when he was starting post the Jakob Pertl trade. Yeah, really like Zach Collins. So I think that if, uh, let's say that the Spurs get really good this year, right? They're not necessarily going to be able to pick up a star guy in the 24 draft. If there is one, you can tell me a little bit more about that off camera, Ben. Um, Probably They're, they're going to have to rely on sort of that internal development. Yeah, one guy always emerges, right? There's going to be someone. There always is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But let's say that they're, you know, they're picking in a late lottery, then they're not necessarily going to be able to get a star ready-made through the door. That's when we see Devin's usage really scale up. That's when we see him keep sort of those, I think he was on 16 shot attempts per game last year. I think that he can more than match that this year, and I'd be really excited to see what he does with those. Uh, it's just about getting to the line for Devin now. Uh, I think as long as the playmaking comes along, and I think as long as he can get himself to the line, because it was only 2.6 free throws per game last year, that tends to be, they're the two final steps for our sort of star shot creators, right? You see a lot of guys that are really jazzy with the passing, like a Lamello ball, but he's only getting himself to the line two, three times a game. Or you see these bull in the china shot players like, um, this is really harsh, I'm going to say Anthony Edwards just because he occurs, but um yeah the guy that has the capacity to get himself to the line i know he did in postseason against denver last year but maybe a little bit of tunnel vision on that playmaking end so i i'm keen to see what devin can do in the next few years in terms of balancing that out can he get himself to the line can he someone like paolo paolo yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, a guy that has passing field evidently benedict Mazarin. that's who i want that yeah. That's, that is my bull in the china shop in terms of not quite having the playmaking feel yet, but my God, can he get himself to the charity stripe? Yeah, that, that sounds like that sounds like Ben Mathburn. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Okay. I, I think that we're really getting there now. I've only got a couple more names that I want to talk about. Ben, have you got anyone that you've been saving for this point, or do you want me to go right ahead? I have <laughs> at least one more good one. Um, okay. And that's and that's I think especially relevant given recently recent injury news is going to be Brandon Clark, who ah, okay. is who is making I, I think I think he's making like four for like four for fifty, which is ridiculously cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the same base all four years, unrestricted free agent in twenty twenty seven, and yeah. right now, like at this very moment, is a steal for how good of a defender Clark is, um, how great of a complimentary offensive player he is. And especially now that Steven Adams is, of course, Clark has had his own injury issues throughout his career, mm-hmm. even going back to college, but especially that Steven Adams is going to be missing the season. Um, Clark's defense is going to be hugely important. Incredible rim protector next to Jaron, just a very scary back line that, Memphis still has even without Adams which is crazy and is obviously low volume but is one of the most efficient scorers in the league as a big as a finisher he shot 75 76 percent at the rim last year 
Um, he shot 51% from mid-range on good volume. He took four attempts per 75, which is the 74th percentile in the league. So it's not That's like he's like not taking them. He's always been incredible in like the floater touch range. Um, and he's, he, he's, he's already a little older. He, he was always old for his class. He's already 26. Yep. But still, I think by the end of his deal, he's still going to be in his, his physical prime for sure, assuming he can maintain good health. And mm. at 12 million for someone who I think has the talent to approach all defense level impact, who offensively is probably never going to be a star, but it's just a really good complimentary secondary finisher score. Exactly. Someone who I think in the playoffs as well um, is going to be good because of his defensive versatility. Um, he just cleans up, cleans up on the boards, great finishing Probably not. I mean, he's not the offensive rebounder that like Stephen Adams is, but basically nobody is. Um, well, we've seen this in the postseason, right? When um, Stephen had Stephen Adams sort of holds down the ship in the regular season and gets played off the floor a little bit in the postseason, and that's where Brandon Clark has really come in to shine. I think he's been really impactful when he's got to play in the postseason, just because if you're leading with a front line of Triple J and Brandon Clark, you can be switchy and you can have the rim protection as well. In his 2022 playoffs, Clark played he, – he was hurt in, in last year's playoffs too, which, of course, like I said, a major issue. But in his first full healthy playoffs, um, again, mm -hmm. almost 18 points per 75 sessions, super efficient from you know getting to the line a lot, um, shooting extremely well at the rim, like chilling at 75% at the rim, 45% for mid-range. EPM, estimated plus minus, viewed him as a top – 20 playoff player that year um wow. and i think uh, again like his impact is so scalable he never he doesn't need the ball to succeed um he plays really well off of other stars and i think is a huge benefit for guys like uh guys like Ja and desmond bain um, who are mm. such great passers to have that like reliable finishing outlet um, someone who is a like ridiculous above the rim finisher as well. So that I think is a ridiculously good contract, um, making yes. 12 and a half million a year over the next four seasons. I think this is the first year of his new deal, which is kind of mm -hmm. insane, honestly, well, that he's going to be making, I, I mean, he, he makes less money than Steven Adams. Um, he makes <laughs> less money than like Cole Anthony, Daniel Gafford, Danny, um, Jordan Clarkson, Isaiah Stewart, as we mentioned earlier, like Harrison Barnes, Vucci, like he's he's someone who is so underpaid and is, is just a, one of those high impact winning guys. It it all hinges on his return date. So I've I've looked this up while you've spoken because I think he he's injured his Achilles in March. I think he's torn it. He's due to be out for six to nine months. So six months, three, nine, that would sort of bring us up to the start of this season. I think it's probably going to be the new year if he comes back. It's going to be vital for Memphis that Brandon Clark comes back if they want to have any sort of chance at a postseason run. Um, but the the player that I wanted to talk about, and I, I really thought you were doing this, Ben, I think you might be on mute, Ben. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, of course, the, the, the contract. You know, I think it's reasonable to be kind of timid with the, the money with someone who just hasn't been able to stay healthy but just to, again talking about raw impact numbers he's he's great yeah sorry go go ahead 
my guy, I think if I think if we had done this um, in sort of typical Bill Simmons fashion, drafting the best value contracts in the league, I would have been hard pressed to not pick Jaron Jackson Jr. over the next few years because if you look at his contract, I think it is just going to pop off the screen. This is a guy that won Defensive Player of the Year last year, way ahead of schedule. And and he's always struck me as a guy, when we speak about um, Evan Mobley, for example, I'm a massive Evan Mobley fan, and I think he's going to have a fantastic career, both defensively and offensively, when he gets to play the solo five. But Jaron Jackson is the guy that we've been speaking about in terms of these new age bigs that can space out to three, but be an absolute monster at the rim and can be switchable as well. So just to spell it out for you, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s contract over the next couple of years in 23-24, he is earning $27 million a year, a steal. In 24-25, he is earning $25 million a year even more of a steal. And in 25-26, the year before he hits free agency again in his age 26 season, Jaron Jackson Jr. is earning $23.5 million. Find me a guy that has the raw potential of Jaron Jackson Jr. combined with the actual production that we've seen on his good value of contracts. I, I don't know if it exists in the league. I think he's due to have a ridiculous year this year. I think a lot of people are low on him due to how he played in FIBA, which may as well be a different sport. I, I love Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm a massive stan of Triple J, whatever you want to say. I, I'm all in on Jaron Jackson. What are your thoughts on that, Ben? Oh, yeah. I'm fully, fully in agreement. Um, I mean, you're talking about, like, potential, which is true. Like, he's already, to me, like, a top 25 player in the league, I think, conservatively, um, was was the deserving defensive player of the year, and I think comes into this next year for me as the best defender in the league. I, the, the, the the FIBA shit is ridiculous, obviously. Yeah. Um, he is, you know, he's he's in the modern NBA having limitations as, like, a rebound, a rebounder, or, like, a post-isolation defender is just totally survivable um, when... I mean, even with guys like Jokic in his conference, like nobody is guarding Jokic. Like it doesn't really matter who you are. So like might as well get someone who can do other things really well. And there's nobody who moves like Jaron, who covers ground like him, who protects the rim like him at, at the five mm-hmm. position. And again, he's offensively, he's continues to improve as a driver, more physicality. The shooting has always been there. Last year, he had a career high true shooting at 61 which is much higher than the last season as well career high in scoring as well um so I, again yeah especially with jaw out for what 25 games no steven adam is no brandon clark for a lot of the time there's gonna be scoring like he's gonna have to score a lot with desmond bain it was smart and whoever else they have getting a lot of reps but yeah i think jaron um just based on his 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 age and his talent should probably be making almost double of what he makes. Like, yeah, just, just like, like I view him. I think, I like this might. This is probably a hot take around like the like the casual or like you know most. And like, like I view him as a more valuable player. I mean, they're obviously very different. I view him as a more yeah. valuable asset than Anthony Edwards, who is making like forty, what like forty two a year, and yeah. Jaron Jackson is making the same amount of money per year as John Collins, Terry Rozier, and Buddy Heald. Like in in terms of sheer 
production and if you had to start a franchise tomorrow i i think that there there is an argument amongst a certain sect of twitter that triple j is the guy ben i'm glad that you belong to that sect these are the kind of people that we want to get on the podcast because <laughs> i had matt isa on a few weeks ago and he actually led with uh i I did a, a hot takes or a hear me out segment and it was hear me out. Anthony Edwards is not the next Dwayne Wade. I'm sorry, but he doesn't quite have that playmaking potential. I know that he can shoot from through. I know that he can get to the rim, but at the moment I, I know that I've thought this a little bit because I, I did a pop way back on guys that are going to make all NBA for the first time this year. And Jaron Jackson was my pick at the center position I skipped over Anthony Edwards. Anthony Anthony, this is my English person coming in. I skipped <laughs> over Anthony Edwards because he had a true shooting of 56% last year. He didn't have the best um, assist to turnover ratio. I don't know if he's ready to be that primary ball handler on the offensive side of the ball just yet in terms of I just don't know if he can get his teammates involved and just a very, very shot happy guy at the end of the day. I think he needs to find that balance. But there's obviously the ceiling of if he can put it together on that end, coupled with the tools on the defensive end. I think that we're going to have a really good time watching Minnesota, despite the yeah. fact that Nick Fighter set the whole franchise on fire last year with the Rudy trade. But right. um, hopefully, having a bit of a vibes reset this year. Um, it seems like it seems like the vibes in that building are good at the moment. Um, it's important. Very. Oh, so um, important. I mean, look at the Warriors last year, right? They just have to be good. We knew they weren't winning the league as soon as TMZ came out with that fateful report. So, Ben, I've got <laughs> I've got one more player for us to discuss. Uh, I, I think a lot of people might mention this guy's name. Uh, this was an all-star last year. I believe he just missed out on all-NBA. A real rags-to-riches story, or riches-to-rags-to-riches, I might say, because he was picked seventh in the draft way back in 2017. There's a real case that Lowry Markkinen is the best value contract in the league in terms of we've spoken about guys like Trey Murphy. I look at a guy that can come in and scale his role to where he can be ultra efficient if you're asking him to take 10 shots a game or 20 shots a game by the looks of things. He reached a new level in his driving game last year. He shot better from three than he ever has before. And somehow this seven foot lumberjack holds up in space he guards threes uh not not to the level of a guy like Jaden mcdaniels obviously but he's not getting roasted time and time again on the perimeter and he's a really good shot blocking presence he's a guy that provides proper weak side rim protection and um i'm just interested to see what happens with larry this year because we've said really good value contracts couple of years left on it i don't know i don't expect utah to be fantastic this year Come the trade deadline, I think Lowry could be the talk of the town. Just, I, I'd want him on any team. He's really, really easy to trade for. Insane true shooting numbers, a really good age. And I can see Utah doing that almost, no, we're really rebuilding now. Uh, if, if it goes well, then they add pieces. If it doesn't go well, then they take a guy like Lowry out. They add even more potential. I look at maybe the Warriors potentially sending Jonathan Kaminga there. They can go and get a boatload of assets from another team. And OKC Thunder, for example, he's the kind of guy that would maybe complete that five-man lineup in terms of if you just wanted to do a straight swap for Lou Dort, I think that works money-wise. 
I'm, I'm rambling now, but I, I love Lowry. I think there's a real case that he's one of the best value contracts in the league. Closing thoughts. I think this might be our final player, unless you've got yeah. anyone else to talk about. Talk to me on Lowry. I'm fine to talk about Lowry Marketing because I totally agree with you. I think he is – I didn't even think about him, but I was just looking, making like $17 million a year, which is insane. Um, mm-hmm. given how how good he is and you kind of hit on it but he is like the ultimate scalable weapon like yeah. if i already have my like, dominant on ball primary creator and i'm looking for a second offensive guy there aren't that many players that i'm picking in the league over 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 Markinen at this stage in his career after what he did last year um as you know that's like hyper efficient on like a lot of volume like was getting a ton of shots was Mm. really efficient from everywhere on the floor um and it's just like the perfect guy to to work in like a modern scheme is like so good at punishing mismatches is too quick for for most slower bigs is too big and strong for like smaller players and has the touch to shoot over them um again I, i mean i don't think he's like amazing if you put him in like a primary role because of some of like the passing and creation limitations but he didn't like he never has to do that like he never like like that'll never be his role and i thought he was quite good defensively as well last year um probably at least to to me the best defensive season of his career um like again has limitations in like being a true big five defender but great rim protector really mobile for someone of his size it's a very unique skill set all around and yeah, I don't really know what the ja- the Jazz are kind of like directionless to me at this point. Um, yeah, because like they because like their team is like like they have a lot of good players, but they're probably mm-hmm. not going to make the playoffs in a really loaded West. I mean, it's possible, of course, but like the West is just so good that I wouldn't bet on it. But they also don't have like the blue chip young prospects at the moment to just go full tank mode. Like, I don't think they have any of the like these guys who you can build around um in terms of their young players like they have players i like for sure but no one like really worth tearing it down for um so yeah i, I do i do wonder that could be interesting if if, if people are talking lori trade i don't i don't know if that's gonna happen but i could i could definitely see contenders like wanting him for sure regardless of, or not if he's available yeah the team i heard last year towards the end of the trade deadline that really excited me this was on jake fisher's podcast and it never got aggregated which really annoyed me i wanted this to enter the discourse but um he mentioned that the sacramento kings had interest in larry markinen and oh, to yeah, me inject him at the four next to sabonis inject him into that system that run and gun ultimate spacing i think keegan murray was apparently the sticking point or they didn't quite have the picks to give up or they just said hey we're having a really good year finally let's not completely change the dynamic of our team but in terms of a fit like a glove I think Larry on the Kings would look amazing uh just Sabonis and Markinen in the front court basketball heaven they'd be absolutely fantastic we've hit the hour mark Ben uh thank you so much for coming on man I want to finish up with Honorable mentions, anyone that we didn't have time to talk about today or anyone that didn't quite qualify for you that you want to just mention? I mean, or just like younger guys, like second, third year who weren't exactly mm-hmm. in this discussion, like 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 Jaden, um, not Jalen, Jalen Williams um, is yep. like the main one to me who I think is going to like probably be, I think has all NBA potential on his rookie contract. Um, mm-hmm. 
I have to shout out my guy Jaden Springer, who I am predicting a big year from him finally getting minutes. Um, he's a special defensive prospect, and I think we're going to think he had about. I think he was about 120% true shooting in the preseason because he shot about 70% from three somehow. That's going to stay the same for the regular season. So, Is he the GOAT? Yeah. 82, Have we had a new name? Enter? 82 yeah. true shooting, 87% from three. I think that's a reasonable expectation for him this season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's about the, you know, like 75th percentile for, for him this year. I think so. I think Nick Nurse coming in can really sort of sustain that and, you know, just just oh, release, wave James Harden. I, I, I don't really see the point. Just open up all these minutes from the Jaden Springer, Tyrese Maxey backcourt, trade and bead and, and build around your primary star in Jaden Springer. But he's, he's another great name to mention. I had another couple that I wanted to reel off just in a word. Malik Monk on a great contract, not contracted through 24-25. Aaron Gordon. I wanted to mention just because I love him and I never seem to get a chance to talk about him, but one of the most versatile players in the league had the gauntlet of a postseason run last year in terms of the players that he had to guard. Look that up after the podcast. It is a legendary postseason performance. And then you can't really get away from the guys like Giannis and Jokic, where we speak about undervalued contracts. If they could be paid more, they would be paid more by general managers, but they are just restricted by the Supermax. This is the... Bradley Bill was getting paid the same amount. Jalen Brown is getting paid the same amount. And these are probably the two guys that can guarantee you a 45-win season in the league. So that valued, but it just felt a little bit dirty talking about them on a podcast that, as we said, is meant for defensive playmakers. So, Ben, I hope that you've had fun on the podcast, man. Tell my very small listenership where they can find you, what your plans are for the season, because I'm sure after this, they're going to want to check you out. Yeah, I, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice time talking to some cool players. Um, yeah, just follow me on Twitter at BJPF underscore. Everything I do will be on there, but I'll probably be making NBA YouTube videos. Hopefully, but there's almost certainly going to be interesting topics to discuss. I'm not exactly sure what. I'm sure I'll want to do, I'm sure there'll be a Bucks video in there somewhere or something. Um, mm. I'm doing like, I'll be doing basic Pelican stuff on my Twitter. Um, so yeah, I mean, just for general basketball content, and I'm going to be draft stuff too, of course, as the that that cycle rolls on. But yeah, just give me a follow and subscribe. All that good stuff. Yeah, Ben is a really consistent sort of basketball nomad in terms of content. I, I looked through his YouTube today, and I just see different topic after different topic. This man has yeah, opinions my... on all different areas of the league, and I like that approach. I just and like I think that's have ideas. I have thoughts, and I just like make a YouTube video. There's no real rhyme or reason. It's just yeah. like whatever I'm thinking about is like that's just going to be. And they're all great. They're all great. Uh, the NBA season is kicking off this week. Follow Ben on all the socials. They're going to be linked down below. I'm sure he, I'm going to force him into coming back on uh, through the season. And I'm sure that we'll have more fun sort of doing the old man shouts players at each other in the corner. I've certainly had fun doing that today, man. But that is the end of, I believe, episode 16 of the Drop Step podcast. We've really smashed them out over this off season. Enjoy opening night of the NBA. Uh, share this podcast if you liked it, give it a like, subscribe to the feed, do all that good stuff. We will be back next week with another episode, probably just breaking down the first week's action because isn't that what every NBA podcast will be doing next week?
Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. See you all later.